from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. Where I think Threefold is now making a, a, a play that is different is that we are saying this is an open source um, project. Everything that you can and need from us, you can download. What you can do is have a piece of hardware. It can be large, small, doesn't really matter. Um, install the operating system. Like I said in the introduction, we went back to the drawing board and really build up a new operating system, which is very different to any other operating system that we know. And you can start creating a very small portion of such a data center and connect it to the rest of the world with how your property, and it could be a house, could be a school, could be a city hall, could be a telephone mast, it could be anything, how that is connected to the world and start building a decentralized and distributed data center. Threefold describes itself as layer zero infrastructure for an open source P2P internet owned by humanity. Rather than an internet based on centralized web servers, expensive cloud storage facilities, or geographically bifurcated access, their team are creating what they call a new planetary network. We spoke with their first follower and co-founder to try and explain how Threefold works in layman's terms and why the idea of an internet for the people is so important. Today we're talking to Wayne Ann from Threefold on a people's internet. Thanks so much for joining us today. So what is Threefold in your own words and why is it exciting and why did you get involved? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's quite a story. So let me let me get to the beginning of this. And, and I am fortunate enough or old enough, however we want to say it, to, to see sort of the, the start of the internet back in the, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s is when it took off. And mm. I got into it because my master uh, degree was in space technology. And we, we had a lot of interaction with, let's say, the people of NASA in the US. And, and one way of, of getting interacting with them and getting data from them and sharing research with them was um, actually through a very early version of the internet. Um, it was um, uh, people publishing their, their, their search results and their research results uh, online, on their desktop, on their desk, literally, with a web server. And you would be able with a web browser if you knew the IP address to, to actually get to them, get their research and, and interact with them, right? I mean, that was what the internet was by people for people. And Throughout my career, I mean, I worked for large telcos and large uh, data center operators. Space technology was a very interesting topic to get involved in in my, my, my master thesis, but uh, it wasn't really back then very interesting to be working in because it was very slow moving, right? An idea to actually getting something in space was a decade plus, and, and I didn't have that patience to, uh, to do that. So... In that period, um, from having that initial experience where it was literally by people for people and from one person to another person, if we fast forward to where we are now, and again, I'm part of building that now because I've been working all my career in actually creating data centers and large networks and so on. 
um, we're in a very different world. There is no by people for people anymore. It's it's by a large, sorry, by a small number of large organizations towards a very large audience. And, and we all go through third parties to reach each other, even what we're doing right now. We're in the same city, I believe, we're in the same country. And and we're still talking to uh, to each other through a third party. Um, and that's just not right. So about seven years ago, I, I came across a group of people that said this needs to be able to go back to its origin, the internet. And again, the internet is just uh, the amalgamation of lots of cables and lots of servers. And today those cables are owned by large organizations and those servers and collections of servers are owned by large organizations as well. And there's literally no need for it to be that way if and when you want to really go down back to the drawing board, start at zero and start building different types of OSs, different types of technology that actually can make things back to the original idea by people for people. And I was so charmed by that idea. And I was so quote unquote fed up in my own life and my own work career that I said, let me, let me join these people because I think they will go places and I think they will actually build something that is needed and that will be appreciated by a lot of people who want to go and have that different experience with digital communication, digital interaction between people. Well, thanks for that introduction. There's a lot there. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to an expert from the Middle East on uh, Internet Protocol version 6, and he said something that I'd never heard before. He said, he used a really strong language, actually. He said, if you think about it, the relationship today between users and servers is one of masters and slaves. And he started talking about a future of the internet um, built on, you know, the blockchain where that relationship wasn't kind of coded in. And he, and he also made the point that that relationship was by, by design. It was, a, it was a conscious choice that we needed to be aware of. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you started with the early internet. I also did my MA on, on these kind of ideas and looked a lot about, uh, at, you know, writers like Sir Tim Berners-Lee or Lawrence Lessig, who were saying, you know, how we, how we build these systems will really shape the, the world we live in and the kind of values we have. So it's not even just about the internet anymore. It's about, you know, how we talk to each other um, exactly. and, and everything else. And, you know, do we really want to concentrate that power in the hands of, of anyone, be it a corporation or, uh, or a government or, or any kind of community. So, you know, it's kind of, it, I agree with you, it's a, it's a fascinating debate. So, um, and, and it's a debate that obviously, you know, as you alluded to, goes back to the origins of, of the internet and the, 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 the wider idea of cyberspace. So I guess the next question is, why are you excited about the way Threefold is trying to solve this problem? What is it that Threefold is doing that you think is unique and different? Sure. Um, um, to start with, just to set the scene, um, I, and I'm sorry, that's all my gadgets going off. I really apologize for that. I will put them to sleep. <laughs> um, but um, that's being ill prepared. Um, but I think the approach that we are following is that we actually want to give back the power to people to participate and create a similar network of servers and cables. And again, cables is more difficult than servers. But in the end, it, it is like I said in the beginning, um, cables are, uh, sorry, the internet is built by cables and um, servers. And 
if you look at it from um, a helicopter perspective, the guys that were involved in cables at the beginning, so the telcos, um, moved and migrated and, and, and positioned their business forward into building data centers, into building services inside data centers, whether it's Colo or whether it's managed services. And, and that's how they've progressed. And then the guys that came on later and that really started with, let's say, online services. And, and let's think about the Googles, the Facebooks, and so on. I mean, they never really owned cables. They never really owned that. They started later on. They, they built big server parks in data centers to run their application uh, at its simplest uh, say, uh, way of saying. And they're now moving back towards creating and putting cables in the seas to connect to people that they cannot reach today with uh, data centers that they can build. So one part of the industry has gone from cables and being very good at, at transporting data to actually having data centers and, and, and storing and processing data. And the other guys have started with processing and storing data and are now moving into connecting the rest of the world, which is not connected yet, by putting sea yeah. cables in there. And, and that's just not... I mean, that's, that's the end of it, right? Because there's nobody really looking at how do we explore, how do we enable these regions that have not been connected yet with something that is sovereign, with something that they can own, with something where they can prosper themselves with and, and not necessarily all of the parts of the world that are already prospering in, 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 in this space. So where I think Threefold is now making a, a, a play that is different is that we are saying this is an open source um, project. Everything that you can and need from us, you can download. What you can do is have a piece of hardware. It can be large, small, doesn't really matter. Um, install the operating system. Like I said in the introduction, we went back to the drawing board and really build up a new operating system, which is very different to any other operating system that we know. And you can start creating a very small portion of such a data center and connect it to the rest of the world with how your property, and it could be a house, could be a school, could be a city hall, could be a telephone mask, it could be anything, how that is connected to the world and start building a decentralized and distributed data center. There is a reward in it. And again, that's where cryptocurrency or a digital currency comes around the corner. If you do so, you will get a reward for actually making that capacity available. It doesn't have to be used. Today, if you make it available for other people to start innovating on top of it, you will get a reward. And to go as far, and this is where the innovation step that I think is particular to Threefold and where we excel, we've taken out the necessity to understand that technology. Because it's a limiting factor. Those data centers are very complex. I ran around them for quite a while with screwdrivers, yeah. cables, and anything that you need to repair them. They're complex beasts, and yeah. therefore they can only exist in a few places because you need people to manage and maintain them. That's why they don't expand everywhere. So if you go back to the drawing board, you create an operating system where people cannot, and I literally mean cannot operate and administer anymore, then anybody can deploy them because it's super simple and there's nothing to do. There is no system administration task. How does those, yeah, I can go on forever. So no, 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 I was going to say that. So let's go into this. Um, I think if we go in to some of the this technical background, I think our audience will really appreciate that. And then towards the end, we can talk a, a bit more about this wider idea of, of a people's internet and, and sovereignty online. Um, 
just looking at it now, you know, it's the idea of the internet owned by humanity. So we've got two things here. We've got, um, you know, you can earn TFT. So you've got this kind of your own decentralized coin that presumably rewards you for using the threefold system. And then you've got that idea that you alluded to of kind of distributed computing of, of running your own network, be it for a school or a home or a small business. So could you talk about those two things and explain how they work to us, both the, 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 the coin incentive and the kind of almost micro data center um, use cases? That, that's the right way of putting it. It is a micro, or maybe even a nano data center, because it can, can be one single server in a single home, right? So mm. see it, and that's the, the, the simplest analogy, and I know that maybe a lot of people in your audience want to know more, and I'm happy to go deeper, but look at it as a solar panel. I mean, solar panels you put on the roof, again, the sun comes up and shines, and electricity comes out. That is how simple it is to create this nano data center with us. You have a server, you get yourself that OS, you put the OS on that server, and I can't do, and the owner can't do, and the threefold organization can't do anything with regards to administering that box. That box is sitting there autonomously and just waiting to see instructions appear in a blockchain, an operational blockchain, not a value transaction blockchain, but an operational blockchain to what it needs to do. Start a VM, stop a VM, create a virtual network, stop a virtual network, right? It literally only looks at that ledger, at that blockchain to see instructions what it needs to do. So that's really important. So the reward was that token that you spoke about, TFT, is a reward for making that capacity available. Again, the person that owns that box needs to invest in the box or has a box that he invested in a long time ago. And he puts that towards a dedicated use case. You cannot do anything else with it because you have to load this operating system onto it, which makes the box only respond to instructions that it sees on that chain. The reward is paid out or rewarded to the owner after a month. And what does he need to do to get that reward is just to keep that box up and running just up and running, nothing to do with it, make it connected to the network and keep it powered up. That's all it needs to do. So they create, all of those box owners create tokens. We started with zero, no ICO, no nothing. We created, we started with zero tokens. And from that point onwards, anybody that stepped into the system and that believed that these solar panels are a good alternative to major leading clouds, and are able and present the same capabilities than those clouds, they've been creating all of those tokens. Now, if we go to the other side of it, so this is production of capacity. If we go to the consumption side of capacity, this is all plumbing. And I know it sounds awkward, but we're not in the game of actually making something that is end user ready. We believe that the world has innovative powers or is innovative enough to actually create hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of use cases on it. So we're focused on the plumbing. So the consumers of this capacity will actually need to take those raw elements that we provide, just like electricity. I mean, it doesn't do anything, right? You have to have a TV, you have to have a radio, you have yeah. to have a computer to actually use it. In our case, developers, system integrators, blockchain projects, all of them can use this plumbing, this raw capacity, in a similar way, a very similar way than what all the market leaders in cloud space do. So AWS, Google, and Azure, it's a similar interface, a similar way to actually use that capacity. They will build use cases on top of it. 
uh, and, and here is where the toconomy closes. So they need and they can only pay with those tokens that are being created by the producers of this capacity to rent this capacity. So that's how the circle is round. The producers produce, the consumers need tokens. Somehow those tokens need to find their way from the producers to the consumers. And um, that's where the circle is closed. Now that's fascinating. And presumably threefold sustains itself through taking some kind of commission or, or, or staking on the token. Both. Um, threefold is, is two legal entities. There's a, a foundation that yeah. has the big hairy audacious goal to get a billion people on this system using the system for all their IT needs for less than a dollar a month. Because again, yeah. there are some people out there that just can't afford an AWS uh, virtual right. machine. I mean, it's very expensive. So, yes. you know, cloud and computing is extremely expensive. And it, it needs to, to become available to anyone, in our humble opinion, and therefore yeah. the price needs to go down. And a big step towards that, just as a side note, a big step towards that is to take people out of the equation to do things, because people are an expensive component to manage and operate complex systems. If and when you can take that element out of it, and again, don't take me wrong, we love people, but we just don't want them in this operational facility managing something that is really complex and, and far and stretching yeah. around the globe. I mean, centralized data centers, you know, take a lot to maintain. Um, a, a, a lot of smart people. And, and again, that's why they can only exist in a few places where you have enough of these people or where you can uh, incentivize enough of these people to go to, right? I mean, that's just a fact. And that is making that foundation do what it needs to do a billion people uh, for less than a dollar a month and then there is a tech company that builds the tech that is a straightforward for equity business that actually builds the tech right now has a, a uh, indefinite license or has given an indefinite license to the foundation to use this technology to build this global grid but the tech company obviously is, is looking for um investment also to to build up other use cases than what we foresee with it because this technology can be used to simplify and get more uh, commercially interesting um, technology setups in other uh, guises as well. So those are the two. How do the, the how does the foundation sustain itself? Um, in the end, but this is a technicality. If you want to be, because we are a true utility token, tokens only come into existence of proof that capacity is online. If you I want see. to be a utility token, you cannot pay with it, and the owner of the hardware cannot receive payments for usage. So we've divorced those two things. The rewards for making capacity available is true utility, and that owner of the hardware will never ever receive any tokens for usage. The tokens that are being paid by consumers of that capacity for um, consumption are ending up in four buckets. One bucket is burning, again, scarcity is, is, is what such a token needs to have it gradually appreciate over time. So 35% of those tokens are burnt. 50% are currently uh, hold and held by the tech company as an incentive to incentivize the right um, developers, the right system integrators to start building use cases on it, just as a discount scheme. And then the other 10 and 5% are for the foundation. So the foundation makes 10% and there's a validator and a staking, which you said uh, function as well, that is in the end making 5% of the total revenue of this grid in time. 
It's a completely new incentive structure, really, isn't it? So it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy how fast things are moving. Um, yeah. Bear, yeah. bear in mind, we've been on it for five years and we are now in version three. So we've made a few mistakes. We've fall, fallen flat on our face and we've improved it to where we are right now, just to be totally transparent and honest. Sure. I mean, what what are I mean, how interoperable is is the threefold solution? Um, you know, can you integrate? Can you do machine learning on it? Can you integrate with with all sorts of other services? And what for you are some of the most interesting use cases that you've seen? Good question. Um, it's almost one-on-one -on -one interoperable with um, existing leading clouds. Um, if you forget what happens underwater, because underwater the whole principle is different, right? It's it's a machine that acts um, autonomous and, and, and is sovereign. It reads into a ledger, and this is just a ledger which is different in terms of that it's a blockchain, not, not some automation tool that these large organizations uses. If you forget all of that, the interface to use it is the same. So known technologies like infrastructure as code, uh, Terraform, Kubernetes, uh, Docker, anything that the, the, the current world of IT knows runs on this grid. Um, again, the interfaces, the handles, the steering wheel, the brake, that's the same interface. What's under the hood, the engine is very different. Then in terms of use cases, um, you have to look at it. Where is this capacity now developing itself? And that, that's maybe a, a bit of a detour, but a long way into use cases. So we've had like two and a half to 3,000 people actually literally um, getting single boxes in homes connected to this grid. Then we've had a few, let's say, investment firms, let's call them that, that bought large quantities of hardware and put it in very traditional data centers, very traditionally connected in a tier four data center, um, very close to each other. And, and why is it important to lay that out? Because for different use cases, you need different kinds of, let's say, um, proximity between data processing and data storage. You can imagine that for machine learning, as you said, you want to get as fast or as much processes as possible, working on as much data storage as you can get. And that will never work from the home. Let's be very honest. I mean, that's not a use case that will work from the home or from this very distributed network of, of, of capacity. So you need to have concentrated capacity. So we've got those farms because we call the people that actually create capacity and that get rewards, we call them farmers. Um, that Those use cases are being run in data center. And that's very similar and very traditional to large scale clouds today, large websites, um, machine learning, uh, data lakes. I mean, all of that happens in threefold infrastructure, but in networks that are in data centers that present speed. For other workloads, you can get far and wide. You can go far and wide. What do I mean by that? If you think about archiving and storing data, which is a big challenge today, because we all create more and more data by the day, and we use 10, maybe much more 5% of the data that we produce every day, we, we use that. So there's a lot of archiving and a lot of, let's say, cold data that needs to be stored. For that, the use case of having very, very dispersed storage devices makes it a very good place to store data. Uh, and again, I can talk for hours in terms of how we do that, we won't do it here, but it, it allows you to create, if you think about it, if you can really handpick which devices in which location you want to be involved in the smart contract that determines the virtual fence around where your data lives, if you can handpick those locations, 
you can also handpick and create your own level of re reliability and redundancy. For example, um, if you spread it far and wide, then natural disasters are not going to affect your data. If you put it closer together, you obviously get a higher access and, and, and number of IOPS into your data, right? So it, it can almost breathe like a living system in terms of what part of your data you want to store in, in, in what setup. And you can actually make it work in such a way that it really, really caters for the use case that you want. Um, one more remark with regards to that. Since it's all driven by, again, smart contracts, which in the end start with a private and public key combination, you own your own data. That farmer that owns the machine has got no access. That's what I said in the beginning. Um, he doesn't have any access to the machine. There is no login shell, no UI, no GUI, no, no nothing. So he can't do nothing with the data. And your data which you store um, directly onto this grid is literally yours. It's not this third party that sits in the middle somewhere and that, that does things for you. It's you. Yeah, I think owning your own data is going forward is, you know, is a massive incentive. Um, and I, I think, as I said, but before you hopped on the podcast, we had a, a previous discussion with a group called Deep Square about how that wasn't just useful for individuals. It was also increasingly interesting for all sorts of institutions and governments. Definitely. Um, I wanted to go off on a, a little bit of a tangent and ask you a question. Um, we've been doing uh, more than a couple of episodes on the idea of uh, of a metaverse. Um, and, and one of the, the technical... Um, discussions around this whole vision or, or theory of a kind of you know shared civilizational 3d space uh, online that that people will be trading on in the future one of the problems with that idea is that, that the computing power doesn't exist and that there's one analyst who wrote that in the future for this to actually happen what you're going to need is a completely new form of distributed computing and distributed servers and kind of distributed cloud infrastructure and that the gaming environments and the rich 3d environments of the future internet would actually depend by design on decentralization in order to be able to scale now it's a pretty out there argument but basically what these this analyst was suggesting was that existing centralized um internet infrastructure was not capable of building some of these rich 3D environments in the future and that new solutions were needed. So as I say, it is a tangent. Um, I'm not sure if it's directly related to threefold or not, but I just wanted to get your kind of sense of, of what you think about that and whether you've heard that, that kind of use case from the gaming or, or metaverse community in your travels. Definitely, and I think the analyst is spot on. Um, and for me, I mean, and like I said, I've been running around this, this, this planet for quite a while now. Um, I mean, we've had, all of us had rich 3D virtual or digital experiences. I mean, we've all played these games where you ran around usually with a gun, but sometimes also with, with nicer things where, <laughs> where we, 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 yeah, we love that because that is, and, 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 and this, I think this is really important and thank you for bringing it up because we are 3D beings, right? We we do work, or our brain, or we as, as a being work in a 3D space, and we remember things where they are in our homes or in our workspaces or in our schools, 
and we sort of know the path towards them. That's, I think, how we are wired. For me to remember in this 2D space in a file system where I store the file is much more difficult than doing it in 3D space. And again, maybe I'm weird, but, but that's, that's the first thing I wanted to share. So I think making that move towards the metaverse, even though it might seem far out, I think it's gonna make our digital lives easier because we, we operate like that in the physical. So if we make the virtual or the digital the same, then I think the brain will cope much easier or simpler with that. But that's, again, a side note from my side. Secondly, why do or why did the analysts say, or how can I, how can I uh, opt in to what the analyst said and, and have a little bit of proof for that? If you go to the big gaming um, industry or the gaming leads in the industry, the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 still needs to sit on the desk of the screen, which the people use to have that rich 3D experience. There is no real model yet that works really well that presents this from a, a data center or a cloud perspective. And again, I know Stream is, is, is doing a little bit of, or is doing that as well, but that's, that's not mainstream yet. So I do see that if and when this metaverse thing takes off, and I hope it does, because I think we're ready for, um, for me, the current internet is still 2D, like a book, you, you scroll by and you might have some, some moving images, movies, but that's about it, right? It's still this book which you read, which you can go back and forth. And I'd love to go to that next level version of it, but we do need, indeed, like the analyst said, we do need local, high grade compute and graphical capacity in order to present it to us. And, and I think therefore, the model of being able to enable homes, schools, uh, telephone masts, light masts. I mean, every, every little physical thing that you have where you can get network and electricity to meet, if we can start creating little pots of capacity there, that will be the model where this metaverse will take off. And again, today, threefold, which you specifically asked about threefold as well. We don't do GPUs yet. We do CPUs and we do storage, so processing and storage. But this year, before the end of the year, we'll have a GPU offering included in that where, again, if people present GPUs towards this grid, they will get rewards for it. And the guys on the other side, the consumers of it, and girls, I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to be um, single-sided. But the girls and guys that want to consume it, they will have GPUs at their disposal to make rich 3D experiences uh, a, a possibility for, for local um, consumers of their applications, their games, their metaverse experiences. Yeah, it is, it is kind of a fascinating you know, future ahead. And it, the, the relationship with kind of computing power and graphical power isn't one that always gets discussed, but all of the people really trying to build out the metaverse from my experience and particularly from our experience on this podcast, they keep coming back to it. Um, and I think, you know, what, what is also interesting is a lot of that community now uh, in, in the metaverse community, you know, you, you split between the AA gamers and, and the, the big tech companies, but also a lot of blockchain developers and engineers yep. who are, you know, um, kind of values aligned with, with some of what Threefold is trying to do. Um, on that note, I wanted to kind of return to, to kind of our original discussion on this idea of, uh, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer evolution, the people's internet. So 
you know, threefold is referred to something called layer zero infrastructure. And it's talked about P4P, you know, rather than P2P. So what does all that mean? What is layer zero? And, and why is this idea of P4P, which is very cute, important? Well, layer zero is, is taking, and again, believe me, we, we, we have struggled and we're still struggling to explain this in a, in a in an easy to understand way to the world. And, and that is a big world of, of people that we want to attract and, and investors that we will, we need to attract and, and so on and, and, and consumers of capacity that we want to adopt this new world, right? So finding language that they understand is, is really important with this. And as I said earlier, we've been at it for five years. We've, we've made a, a good few mistakes from yeah. which you learn. Yeah. You stand up again, you dust yourself over and, and you go forward. I agree. And, but, and finding, finding the language is really hard. Um, but yeah, I, I totally yes. agree with that. So layer zero came from, again, one of the people that very early on saw the opportunity is, is blockchain projects. Because right now, they have a choice of either relying on, on very smart people that deploy a server in their home on which they run a blockchain node for a particular project. Again, very decentralized, that's how they want it. Or they rely on people or even themselves taking capacity from the major cloud providers and, and, and doing it in virtual machines in, in clouds, which is far from what they want to achieve. Right? And it's a very different balance to, to, to make. You can't rely and you can't find enough supporters of your project that will want to do it at home. So data centers are the only option. And, and for some projects, it's 60 or more percent of their nodes running these centralized data centers. And again, if uh, I'm sure he doesn't listen, so I can't mention his name, but if Jeff Bezos tomorrow launches uh, a token and he says, uh, I don't know more Ethereum, then Ethereum has a problem because 60% of the nodes run in AWS data centers. It's a fact. It's been That's amazing. Everywhere. Yeah, I think someone else has mentioned that on the podcast, but I keep forgetting it because it yeah, seems, so, seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it? It's just, you know, unbelievable when you hear that. It is. And, and, and again, it, it, to, until today, it's good, but, but there might be a point in time where it's no longer good, right? And then what? So we, we sort of sat right in the middle of both of them because yes, it can be done by people at home, but no, they don't need all of that capability to actually do it on bare metal. They can, again, in a, in a simple way, just launch EOS and, and that's it. So hence we came forward because all of the, let's say the layer one blockchains had a need for that. So we started to call ourselves layer zero, which again is a, is a play on, on, on how that, that industry has organized themselves. Right. But, but it just means it, it, it's this solar panel on which you can run blockchain nodes uh, as easy as you can get it in those major clouds. And it can be literally anywhere, um, homes, schools, I've said it before, right? All of those locations and you can handpick them. So we've done a few of those with a few big ones where we've made single click deployment apps where people can just select, I want my node to exist in my continent. Uh, I don't think we went more granular than that. You can do Europe, Asia, US, and you can deploy uh, a pre-search node or you can deploy a Casper Labs node. I mean, those are the, the ones that, that have that facility with us. Um, and then P4P, it's literally that we want to enhance the, the narrative around, it's, it's by people, for people. 
and then it's not peer to peer that is a known term but people start thinking about this early day music sharing and 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 you get all sorts of feedback in terms of is this really what you're doing sharing data which is illegal la 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 and we said no 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 it's 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 that people make a choice i want to be a producer of capacity similar to i want to put solar panels on my roof make Mm. my own life easier but Mm. also give back to the grid and we choose p4p for that yeah that idea of of producers rather than users is is kind of it is i guess it's at the heart of web3 really um and the blockchain in some ways as well um wayne and thank you so much for your time today on the uae tech podcast threefold is a super interesting um project really happy to talk to you about it and i hope we can um connect reconnect with you guys again in future um when you know the the network has grown and maybe this gpu has been released super looking forward to that and uh, it was a pleasure to be here thank you so much sponsor information the uae tech podcast is distributed by albaweba business free of charge to sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboweba Business, syndication distribution on Alboweba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboweba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.